But does it have shoes on? In honor of Marcel the Shell with shoes on, what's cinema's cutest non-human character? I'm Katie Ridge, and I feel like the real challenge is non-human and non-animal because, come on, there's lots of cute animals. So I'm going with Mo, the fussy robot from Wally, The cleaning robot. Yeah. I'm Matt Patches. My mind went to Baymax because I've been watching some of the Baymax Disney Plus show. But He's I, very cute. I don't want to pick a Disney character. Fuck Disney. I'll go with wow. Uggy from The Artist. What's the opposite of fuck Uggy? Never forget Uggy. Uggy's great. He's dead. But... No, you don't like Disney, but you like Harvey Weinstein movies. I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's me, Dave, with the seven, with the sad news that Uggy the dog He's died. Dead. No, August, I did. Years August ago, August twelfth, twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yep. I just had to look it up. And he be decided like, to oh. die before the world went to completion. Uh, that's mm. Smart, smart move, Uggy. He was thirteen. He had a good run. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go with the blanket from the Brave Little Toaster. I haven't seen it in a while, so the blanket might be annoying now. But I'm shooting from memory. And I love that little heating blanket. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 399 and a half. It is pandemic 121. It is the week of Wednesday, July 13th. That's the day that in 1923, the Hollywood sign was officially dedicated in the hills above Hollywood, Los Angeles. It read Hollywoodland, but the four last four letters were dropped after renovation in 1949. Remember when oh. Elvis went up to the Hollywood sign? It was like, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, I want to restart my career. Is that uh, <laughs> Michael, what voice was like? Do you guys doing? hear Michael's phone ringing? Okay. It was, I can't stop it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I knew that the Hollywood sign had fallen into disrepair, but I didn't realize it was in that specific period until it showed up in the movie Elvis. (laughs) I guess he kind of sounds like Yogi Bear. No, he definitely does. He definitely does. (laughs) Was Yogi Bear an Elvis impression gone wrong? You know, Yogi Bear was probably an impression of someone that we don't know about. Like, there's a lot of, like, 60s culture that we grew up exposed to via, like, Parody yeah, some Burl understand. Ives type, but it's uh, hey, boo-boo. <laughs> yeah, hey, Charlie Chaplin. It's... Uh, well, David's not here, so you guess <laughs> by now. Uh, but I, Dave said he was gonna look at reviews, so do we have them? Oh, yeah, we got three of them, they're all five wow. stars, which is sad because I crossed the big Star Wars Galaxy of Hero thing, but uh, Rubicon nope. doesn't matter. Okay, here we go, nobody cares. Five stars from the Duke 86, an exciting exploration of what makes movies tick. After debating far too long what to recommend about this equally entertaining and informative podcast, I think the best I can say is to, pr- to prospective listeners, what makes it so special week after week is rather simple. They make you want to watch movies. Even when the better part of my workday requires near constant screen time, an episode of Fitware provides more than enough enticement to spend an evening at the theater or with a Blu-ray, whatever it takes to appreciate and enjoy the films discussed so thoughtfully here. Passionate, insightful, and fun. I'm as happy to hear David and Patch's stirring monologues as Katie and Dave's enlightening addendums and additions. (laughs) We don't ever have monologues? (laughs) I mean, Katie, in this episode, you will monologue. I'm making that promise (laughs) to the audience today. Find find me a topic. This was also written before last week's episode, which was uh, Dave Talks for a long time with Patch's in the middle. Um, Mm. Finding a complimentary quartet that can generate sustained interest in all movies of all types is a rarity, even in the crowded podcast space. Thanks to each host for always exploring why they feel the way they feel, 
rather than summing up a motion picture, simply labeling it as good or bad. Time Magazine got this one right. Woo! Nice. Really, really been worrying they were going to revoke that one on us, honestly. <laughs> We've uh, given them plenty of reason to do so. They, they put it in the print magazine, so it's probably going to stick around. Uh, all right, this one comes from Andrew Corpin. It is also five stars. Love the show. Hey, everyone. New fan of the show here. I stumbled upon it a couple weeks ago as a big fan of David, who is one of my biggest inspirations wow. in my career. I was so excited for wow. a second there. Just curious, David, were you at the Thor screening in NYC on the 29th and talking in the aisle on the right side of the theater? I thought I saw <laughs> you, but was way too scared of being wrong to okay, go up and introduce myself. <laughs> I mean, if he's talking in the yeah. aisle, I... Yeah. He's often Definitely imagining David holding yeah, court at the yeah. Thor screening. David walks around the aisles looking for people who will kiss his ring. Uh, we've seen that in person. Look, I saw West Side Story with you too. It was doing a lot of gabbing in the aisles. Oh, oh, we tried was. to get David he to was. sit with King us. King of Letterbox, King of the New York. Mm. Okay, all right. If he was if he was talking in the aisles during the movie, then you're allowed to go. Hey, David Ehrlich, stop talking. I give you that <laughs> Shut permission. Up. And then David would go. Hey, hey, hi. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Andrew, I don't know, I can't answer for David, but he won't remember that we read this interview, this review anyway, and he'll answer you next week. All right, here we go. Uh, Alex, DJM, five stars, my favorite podcast. This is my second review for this excellent podcast. The reason is I've recently noticed the crew discussing things other than film, i.e. patches his dilemma with someone else's mail. Truth is, I could listen to you guys discussing paint dry, and I would still find it incredibly entertaining. Thank you for all you do. This podcast was essential to me when I was stuck at home during the still ongoing pandemic. That the, the listener said that, not me this time. You're all doing a public <laughs> service for more people than you probably realize. Thank you. P.S. David, keep interrupting and expressing your views unapologetically. <laughs> it is very entertaining and awesome. I, I have a wow. question about this review. How does paint dry? Does anyone know? It's, it starts wet. Uh, yeah, the water in it, dries it on the evaporates water. into the air. It's how anything dries. Mm. How anything That's dries. what I was going to say. Now I just sound dumb because like, yeah, what he said about water. <laughs> and now Katie will monologue about paint. About how water works. <laughs> Something I how water about. works. Oh, <laughs> this is the greatest podcast. Water works. Anyway, if you guys want to leave us a review on uh, the Apple Podcasts app, uh, we used to call it iTunes. Don't call it iTunes anymore. Leave us a review. Do it five stars. We're at an average of 4.7, and I feel like after 11 years, that's amazing. So thank you. Keep going. Uh, or after you 11 send... years and all the shit we pulled. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody's been canceled that I could tell. We got 4.7 out of five that's stars average. No, I love it. it. Not to court it. Still time. <laughs> um, but you can also send us an email, fitwr.podcast at gmail.com with your international reviews or other questions. I do read them. We just save them so we don't have to talk about Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Now you're admitting the game is rigged. It, it's been rigged against me since the beginning, Katie. You the cooling man, you send you up. Freezing cooling, nights and nine twos up. All right. Da, 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 hey everybody! It's Hollywood Land. <laughs> this week we had a, a number of scheduling snafus and plans that didn't quite work out, and we were like, "We gotta still do an episode. Everything is is working. We do have a plan. So, Everything's going great. This month is rather spectacular. What's coming? 
Like, yeah, or, I mean, David died, and that was a big hurdle we had to get huge. over. Yeah. But here we are. R.I.P. We're going mean, to keep going the show, as you know we would. Um, but today, uh, we're going to kind of do away with the formats, because today is the Fitwer TV Spectacular. TV stands for tubular <laughs> video, everybody. Uh, yeah. We're talking about TV <laughs> the whole time, and we're just going to plow through a bunch of stuff that we've been watching uh, and, and thinking about. But first, we've got Little Gold Men's Katie Ritchie. Oh, also mm. um, we should start by talking about the Emmy nominations, which came out this uh, week. And if you're a normal person, you would not give a shit and probably don't even know who got nominated. Uh, the <laughs> Emmys just feel like if I, every time they person. happen, I don't understand how they feel so insignificant. And yet they're talking about the biggest things that on the planet. That the shows that everybody to... cares about. Yeah. Like, why aren't they as big as the Oscars? We've definitely probably talked about this exact topic, but every time it happens, I'm just like, Wow, all these shows, people really do watch them, and yet none of these people are stars, or none of this ceremony has no, it's not currency for people. And I think it has something to do with, like, I got an email from Disney today that said Disney got 140-some nominations. And I'm like, too many categories! <laughs> too many nominations! How can yeah, there be I mean, 140 of those nominations? Are like <laughs> very well-deserved technical categories. Like, I think if they handed yes. out more Oscars for, like, you know, different, like, other bloodline people, like, that not necessarily put them on the ceremony, like, right. I'd be fine with that. But, yes, all the, like, the, like, you know, pissing contest between networks, that's kind of exhausting. But there's also the thing where it's like, oh, huh, Ted Lasso, all those people got nominated again. Okay. Like, it's, you've already been there. There's, there's definitely something about the repetition of Emmys. It's not as repetitive as it used to be, where, like, Kelsey Grammer wins five years in a row. But <laughs> I think that takes some of the excitement out of it. I but still have not watched Ted Lasso, as I was reminded. I'm in the minority uh, this weekend in movie theaters for a uh, Thor post credit scene where everyone's like, yay! And I was like, who was that? <laughs> and you were like, Hercules. And everyone else was like, no, bro. No. Yeah, exactly. Like, man, people, people are really psyched for Hercules. Wow, people love uh, Hercules. Their people favorite love Hercules. Marvel character. Yeah, I know. Wait, Dave, you got to be like how I am in most Marvel press credit scenes, where I'm like, who? Yeah, who's purple? So, What's happening? Friend of the pod, Joanna Robinson, went to the like actual Eleven Thunder premiere uh, in Los Angeles, and as is our want, working on Marvel things, she texted me afterwards, and she's like, "What do you want to know?" And I'm like, "Who's the big introduction?" And she just said the actor's name, and I let it sit for ten, five minutes, and I was like, "Who?" And then that's all. I, that's all I got to know about <laughs> Thor: Love and Thunder. We're for talking a while. about Brett Goldstein. You could have Googled here, it, by the way. And he he yeah, also has a spoil that at he this has point, a movie right? podcast. So fuck him. Uh, we don't care for him. <laughs> and get... why don't why don't we have an Emmy? Yeah, where's our Emmy? Where where's our, where's our Emmy? Why aren't the four of us playing Hercules in the next Marvel movie? Oh, wait, I have a game for you guys. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah. I'm assuming that you still know, like, you know about the Emmy nominations, but you know less than I do. How many acting nominations do you think Succession got? Um, all right. Wait, let's let's do some math here. Live. This okay. Is, Katie's totally okay. pulling this one out of nowhere. Nothing is scripted. Yeah, this is not a Matt Patches level, like, planned <laughs> quiz. Uh, uh, no, this was just all okay. off the dome. So who's in the Succession cast that would get nominated? Probably everybody so i'm thinking brian cox uh jeremy strong Kerry colkin um paul guy um woman <laughs> who looks like leonardo dicaprio sarah snook um she, like she does look like that's do you ever mad. see that time that's travel madness. movie she did she, where she is both no a man what? And a woman you know what i'm talking about didn't no uh she looks caprio so much uh so that's five wait did i forget anyone I got tall. Oh wait, uh, Matthew McFadden. 
Uh-huh. So that's six actors. I Did feel you like say I... Jeremy Strong? Yeah, I got Jeremy Strong. So I feel like all of them were probably nominated. And then They were. Uh, are, we counting, are we counting, like, Outstanding Drama as, as one of the No, 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 I'm saying no, acting. Acting. Oh, act- acting ones. Actors only. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, there's probably, like, in season two, there were a lot of guest stars. Like, Adrian Brody guest- probably got nominated. Yes, he, oh, he wow. absolutely did. Okay. I didn't even watch this show. <laughs> You're I don't doing know. great right now. I'm like, uh, but there's probably another. I'm going to go with another one. Just guessing there was another good guest star on the show that I don't know who was on it. I'm going to go with eight. Acting Dave, up. would you like to hazard a guess? Uh, if we're doing Price is Right oh. rules, I'm going to take seven. Wait, it might be nine if um, the woman that Karen Culkin constantly flirts with on the show got a nominee. I'm going with nine. She she did. Did oh! you Did you... Did you say wait, no? She got nominated. Did you say the uh, the woman who you said looked like Leonardo DiCaprio? Did you say she got nominated too, yeah, or did Sarah you skip Snook. right over her? I got I said Sarah Snook. Yes. Okay, so you're saying nine? I'm nine. Fourteen. What? Oh. <laughs> there, there are that many four nominated four nominated guest actors and three nominated guest actresses. Wait, who are they? So if you are on succession, uh, the guest- you are getting an Emmy nomination. Maybe. Pretty much. So the guest actors are Adrian Brody, uh, James Cromwell, who plays Brian Cox's oh, sure, uh, yeah. environmentalist cranky brother, mm. uh, Arian Moyed, who is uh, Stewie, who watched the show, oh, and he was guy? also on. Yes, uh, I think he's on Inventing Anna, also, um, and then Alexander Skarsgård, who oh, uh, right. has a Swedish accent on Succession. In uh, actors, there's Hope Davis, who is like the daughter of a, like a shareholder i I can't remember uh sana lathan who was the lawyer and harriet walter who is their mother harriet walter also nominated for ted lasso wow 14 that's many that has to be a record uh i don't i I think handmaid's tale had like 17 people last year crazily at the same time the emmys you are deranged why can people not care about you all right another guess guess how many people from the white lotus got nominated remember that's Uh like a a show set at a hotel resort a limited number of people who can show up on that right so can is there a guest star slot for no there's no guest star category okay but no no guest star slots these are all like main cast people actual anthology or limited yeah, they're all in supporting categories. categories. So it's just right. supporting actors, supporting. Dave, are you you want to take a stab here? You remember who's in the White Lotus? Nope. Uh, a matter of fact, <laughs> my tweet about uh, that when uh, you know the nominations were coming out was just like a oh White Lotus because I had forgotten that show existed. Watched yep. way too many limited series about true crime this spring that weren't nominated. That didn't get noted for anything. The staircase well, you know, got nothing. Nope. Uh, Sarah got Tony Collette and Colin Firth. And oh, that was there it. we go. All right. Justice for the Owls. Justice uh, for Under us. the Banner of Heaven got one for Andrew Garfield. Uh, Candy, the one with Jessica Biel, got main title design. Um, oh, God, and there's one more. Main title design. Spring. Wolf. Oh, uh, we, crashed. we Crashed. We Crashed got nothing. Wow. At all. Wow. Which is There, there were too many. I mean, what, did Super Pumped get nominated? No, absolutely. I not. mean, there were too many no, of these shows. I was thinking before too many shows. this podcast. I mean, but I watched like... all of them except Inventing <laughs> Anna, and then look which one fucking showed up. <laughs> Wait to, to to close the loop though. White Lotus had eight acting nominees. That's everybody, Ooh. right? Sydney Sweeney, I know. Uh, that yeah, it, it's it's Steve's every on. it's everybody except um Steve's, uh Steve Zahn, uh Marie Bartlett, J- Jake Lacey. What am I about Connie my boy Britton, Fred? Jennifer Coolidge, Alexander Fred. Fred is the uh, the young lad who plays nintendo switch on the beach and then goes off of the boat no What's he did not get nominated name? he's in uh, anyway and then sad. also uh the girl who is the friend of sydney sweeney's character oh, sure. she did not get nominated either 
Uh, but everybody else did. Interesting. Mm. Uh, yeah. No, the thing that we talked about in Little Gold Men and uh, my colleague David Campbell wrote about is that all these fucking shows all premiered in April and May right. and nobody nominated any of them because they didn't have time. They to tried the... More and more, we're seeing that with TV, right? Like this Oscar strategy where yes. we're just going to dump shows in yeah. the month before window of the, of the nominations. And I wonder, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that strategy is working less and less for yes. the Oscars. And I'm excited to actually see this season. One movie that I hope we get around to talking about eventually. Uh, this is such a deviation from where, what we're talking about in this episode. But I'm very <laughs> excited to see this Ron Howard Thai soccer team Cave diving cave rescue, movie yeah. that comes out whoop, like next week or like in like at the beginning of yeah. August or something, just totally random. Why is it coming out in August? Isn't it an Oscar play? And I think it is an Oscar play, but in the like streaming verse, when Coda comes out to no fanfare in an August, and then yeah, that's true. Builds momentum. I feel like the the paradigm of oh, you got to put out your Oscar movie in December is totally busted by streaming. And I think the same thing is true. But only the Emmys are only getting around to it in the last like five years. It feels like it's just a bombardment of stuff in May. Well, the Emmy schedule has changed so much because May used to be sweeps week for network shows. You know, like that was when like you'd be ending your season. So like that time period made sense. Um, And then like last year, you think about Mayor of Easttown, which premieres in April, and like suddenly is like the one show everyone wants to talk about at that moment. And the same thing happened for Hacks. But if everyone is trying to do that, and the shows aren't as good as Mayor of Easttown. Um, no, well, no, no one can like, no one has time. Like it's right, 10 right, right. hours for everything. Like no yeah. one has the time yeah. for that yeah. and it feels overwhelming. And then like, if you're not capturing the conversation and I think I lo- with a lot of these shows, they just weren't like as good as Mary's Mary's town and <laughs> you just fall apart and everyone's like, Oh, okay. I watched Pam and Tommy and Pam and Tommy. I can't oh, really wrong. make heads or tails of cause that, no one seemed to like that no, show terrible. that much. Wait, why did it get a uh, bunch of nominations? Ton of nominations. It got more nominations than the dropout. I mean, it's sensational. It's clicky. People probably were aware of it, and it's like, oh, yeah, I, saw I mean, his I got penis. like makeup nominations, like, but like Seth Rogen got nominated for Pam and Tommy, which like no one thought was going to happen. So like, <laughs> people were like clearly into it. But do you think the Emmys are more like, hey, we'd like to see these people at our ceremony uh, when it comes? Um, like, are they becoming the Golden no, Globes? <laughs> I don't think they're doing that for Seth Rogen. Like, I don't think that. I mean, hey. if they did that, they would have nominated Julia Roberts for Gaslit, and they didn't. Oh wow, my like, god, that, that was another show, show that, that does, premiered does in the spring. Not exist. Does does not exist. I watched two episodes of it and thought it was pretty good, and then it's just I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, but like with that, what 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 channel is it on? I was gonna say what station. Uh, yeah. Who's watching that shit? Um, yeah. I mean the the glut was worse this spring than I think it ever has been, and I would I would assume a lot of people are gonna learn from that. I mean, like Stranger Things is kind of the one show that premiered like right at the last minute and pulled it off but it was a pre-established hit like if you're trying to build something new you just can't do it is it uh, both parts of stranger things that got no just the first part the second part well, that's why they that's started. why they broke it in half dave i mean part of it is like please subscribe to netflix for two months instead of one but they structured it in such a way that then the last two episodes will count for the next emmys i believe yeah i mean yes. they have a same with better call Saul. as someone who's watched Diabolical. all of it uh, they have a better chance with the front uh, bunch than they do with the last two. So get it, Stranger Things, if you can. Katie, do I mean, you... Stranger Things has what they need. Like they're right. they're the what they're like a genuine cultural phenomenon. They're fine, but they'll never win. Like it's I mean, Stranger Things versus Squid Game. It's a it's our battle of cultural phenomenons. It'd be amazing. I guess if Squid Stranger Game Things won. will never win. Don't you, well, I think Squid Game could win. Don't you think Squid Game could win? Yeah, I think Squid Game could win. 
I mean, to see it have this kind of momentum where actors are getting nominated, the show's getting nominated, that's that's impressive. I mean, do you think it's there are any surprises? It's got amazing streaming numbers, too. Yeah, right? Exactly. It's huge. Genuinely. Do I think what about do you think, surprises? I mean, do you think there were any other surprises? I don't even think Squid Game is a surprise on this list of no, nominations. No, Squid Game's definitely like, not a surprise. It had SAG wins. It had uh, all, every win. Um, but I wonder if anything, I don't know, snubs and surprises, Katie? Um, well, we have an article about snows and surprises. Right, um, I thought Severance pocket. really did even better than I expected, which I was really excited about. Oh, I talked to Adam Scott briefly about his nomination today and was just like, you know, delighted for him. Uh, and like, John Turturro and Christopher Walken both got nominated. Uh, Yellow Jackets oh, awesome. got two writing nominations, which suggested they were really into that. Um, what We Do in the Shadows got two writing nominations, which proves that I don't understand what's popular. Because like, I know that show exists and people watch it, but I just like, did, don't get it as an Emmy thing at all. What? Why? I, it's hilarious. I don't know. Is it? They wrote, I don't watch it. They wrote like, jokes, yeah. and they and they should be rewarded for those jokes. It's an amazing, an amazing sure. show. I gotta say, we. Okay. I can't remember. Did we talk about our flags? Uh, our flag. Our flag means death. Means death yeah, on this did. show. Um, was that eligible yeah. for the Emmys? Did that whiff? Yeah, it got it got snubbed. I gotta yeah. say, I am that not. I'm not on board much. that ship. I know you are, Katie. But like when it when it's going toe to toe with like what. What we do in the shadows. I guess I was railing against our flag meets death. Well, you were not on the podcast last week, but I was also railing against Taika Waititi. But I will say, what we do in the oh. shadows is a genuinely hilarious and like uh, the 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 a genuine comedy sitcom with jokes, jokes, jokes that are really funny. It feels like the actual wow. success okay. of the Office. I would highly recommend you catch up with it sometime. I really should. Um, well, yeah, and since Girls Five Eva got like crazily blank like not Ugh. surprising but yeah. just infuriating I mean, they have an original time. music and lyrics category at the emmys like four songs written for tv shows and girls five ever keeps not getting nominated there like what the fuck that is out of control <laughs> what does get nominated? it's crazy oh hang on I'll let me look good. at what got a song from schmigadoon got nominated this year i know that much um let's an see. apple show that no one has watched like, but maybe uh, still theater nerds yeah, right but now. they did send me like a straw suitcase. Uh, there's two swag. songs from you, two songs from Euphoria, a oh, song from no. Schmigadoon, a song from the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and a song from This Is Us. Okay. Uh, songs, yeah, it's, songs it's where, lame. Shows where the songs really work on you, as opposed to Girls Five Ever, where they sweep you off your feet. Well, like joy. last year, Agatha All Along, the song from oh, Wandavision sure. one, which is like a great win for that category uh but yeah i mean it's just like it's like every once in a while there's a good winner and then it just makes no sense otherwise why the concords has gotten nominated though well i'm as i anyway. scroll through here the thing that's jumping out to me most is that chip and dale has been nominated yeah, for best yeah. TV movie the best tv movie category totally unhinged is nuts chip and it's dale rescue nuts. rangers it makes no sense ray donovan the movie okay sure yeah, uh, Reno nine one one, the hunt movie. for QAnon, which might I think is a Roku original, <laughs> ported over from the uh, Quibi days. Uh, the Survivor, mm -hmm. I don't know what that is. That sounds like a life. That's like a, thing. a Barry Levinson, like oh ben oh Foster, oh yeah, sure, sure, a Holocaust sure. Survivor. Oh god, I belittled that movie. I, I'm sorry. Um, and Ooh. Zoe's Extraordinary <laughs> Christmas, which is the Roku. This is the second Roku. Another Roku original Roku coming in hot in the TV <laughs> original TV movie category wow my word and they'll come in they'll be back with the weird al biopic that they're making daniel radcliffe roku is all about the the tv movie good for them no the tv movie category makes no sense and i think so i think we got into this with leo grant like that's where good luck you leo grant is going to be eligible next year and 
uh, Searchlight and Hulu did that this year with Fresh, that Sundance movie oh, uh, right. with uh, Emmy nominee Sebastian Stan. Um, didn't work out. They, nope, didn't work out. Uh, it's nuts. Not better than Reno put a movie Iowa there on purpose. Or Ray Donovan. Uh, according to Richard Lawson, that movie's funny. I believe that. A Reno 91, very funny show. I don't mean to besmirch its name. Um, well, the, when do the Emmys give away their awards to no audience? September 12th, okay. which is during the Toronto Film Festival, and I am so pissed about it. Oh <laughs> my God, I'm so mad about it. Uh, well, we will so still I'll make you come on this I'll be watching them from an Airbnb in Toronto. Uh, if they if I can watch the Emmys in Canada, which I have no idea if that's possible. Well, you could stream. Oh. You can't you stream them on a, I, on a platform? Can you? Yeah, you might be. Can you? I don't know. Well, Katie, it is time to make sure you have a VPN. I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, <laughs> is this but everyone should have a VPN. As soon as uh, Mary Jane had one in Spider-Man Far From Home, I just thought like if that if the on-screen teenager as a VPN on their phone. Everybody should have a VPN wow. on their phone. On their phone? Yeah. You know, uh, the, Apple has it built into the I, iOS. You could go to settings and turn on your VPN and provide your VPN provider. It's just a setting on your phone. Anyway, not know that. do that. Port over to Ohio from Toronto. Watch some Emmys. It's great. All right. I'll be ready. All right. Let's talk about some television that is that is on television. Right. On yeah. Well, not right now. Mm. Unless you have your TV on in the back, some of it's on now. Oh, okay, um, you got it. Uh, I want to start by talking about the the greatest miracle of 2022. It's called Westworld season four. Dave, <laughs> explain why Westworld season four is fantastic, and people. I mean, that's a big that's a big setup. But here's why Westworld season four is at least back to being good Westworld, which, depending on your flavor, uh, hasn't been good since uh, season one or season two. Well, uh, I won't. What? You're not even saying season three is possibly enjoyed by some of the Westworld audience? No sane person enjoyed it. I haven't Westworld met that person. Three. Yeah. Uh, I, it I it would have to be a purely hypothetical person. a big person. orb that could predict your life or something. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm yep. shitting on Westworld season three, which I have almost no memory of at all. So I, did, I, don't, I didn't like it, but I don't remember. I think the what. only that thing was you everybody... need to know about season three going into season four, if people are worried, is that Aaron Paul is there. And he blew something up, and it was an evil computer. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll fill you in. This season has been going very hard on recontextualizing Aaron Paul's character to not be a whiny person we don't want to watch like he was in season three. He's back, <laughs> and he has a family this time, and we are invested in that family. Here's Wait, wasn't he like mourning, not ha like his like lost his kid or something in the first season? In the third season? No, Ooh, I no. don't remember that. He'd gone to jail. Oh, uh, no, what? he was uh, he was depressed. Uh, because they uh, weren't giving him better jobs. Yeah, the because computer told him the computer to work on a building. Or something. Exactly. But also because okay. it turns out he was like patient A of that entire program. Unimportant. Sure. You okay. don't need to know what happened in Westworld season three. <laughs> he now has a precocious daughter who is significantly better than the uh, precocious Leia in Obi-Wan. I just want to say that up front. Lord, I hear precocious daughter. And I, I, no, don't worry. She grows up, I think. Multiple timelines, <laughs> baby. Yeah, oh, well, no. anyway, we'll go. We'll get into that. First of all, we just assume there's multiple timelines. I think, yeah, well. you're right. We haven't actually gotten to the no, multiple timelines. No reveals part of the story yet. yet. No reveals. Only confusion four episodes into New Westworld. But I think well paced confusion yes, yes. as opposed to what makes a Westworld bad. So the first season obviously mined as much as it possibly could out of the Westworld and 
the revelation that some people we thought were not hosts were hosts, the robots sure. in Westworld. Sure. Okay. Uh, if you haven't seen any of Westworld, just don't worry about this. Get the segment. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of stuff, but I guarantee you, you will have your own experience with it watching it. Season two, they were like, "What people like is not knowing what's going on." That was a <laughs> not. It was a bad assumption. <laughs> Um, but they did sort of get this idea from season one that what people wanted in season two was a whole bunch of confusing shit that fell together at the end in a way that was like, and here's what you were watching. Uh, season two took that too far. I think it was still enjoyable, but only because season two where the hosts like jump through a portal and save their consciousness or is that the first? That is how it ends. Yes. Patches. Oh, yes. Is that where like, that feels like a spoiler and you haven't watched Japan. Oh yeah. She goes to Japan. Yeah, uh, it's also the one where uh, you have a Arnold walking around in a different timeline than everybody else right, right. that they don't reveal until way too late. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that was a, a whole bunch of season two. Season three came out uh, and the pandemic hit at the tail end of it filming and it came out while we were all like worried about other things. And so on top of not being that good, it tried to abandon the park or a new future thing and as we learned from jurassic park or jurassic world dominion <laughs> don't stray from the Crichton, you sons of bitches i gotta say i've been thinking a lot about jurassic park dominion watching this season and like how to extrapolate from Crichton and and take his lessons and take what his books what worked so well um and dominion tries and fails as we discussed on a previous episode and this one is doing doing a better job of being Crichton-y. Um I mean, season four, there's multiple timelines, I, I think. There's a new park. They're going back to the park. At there's, least one new park. There's at least one Who new park. Who built a new park? Do oh. I, I don't, uh, don't answer that. Okay, fine. I, the best part about Westworld is, obviously, I mentioned how season two ends. If, if you're listening to this and you've never watched any of Westworld, I don't think I could spoil it. And I think you should go back yeah. and, no. and actually watch I mean, the one answer, two. The, no, don't go back and watch really? Westworld. The, the simple, the the simple answer awesome. to The simple answer to who built the park is always going to be Ed Harris. Yeah. Man in black. Um, oh, wait, that's before. Uh, there's also cool. <laughs> Thought Away Newton kicking ass. Like, they figured out the best parts to keep are actually the characters and the energy of these actors. And she is back just, like, annihilating and infiltrating and having a, having a blast. I don't exactly know the end Is she game. still trying to find her robot daughter? No. I don't think so. I think she's over that i think she has she's, i think she wants to she's put, over the robot i think she wants to put man in black to an end she wants to put all of this tech shit uh, to it to the to its end um and bring the downfall and actually help aaron paul i guess they're teaming up in season four more than they did mm. in, even in season three uh i think they, they teamed up in season check. three uh they teamed up right at the end of season three and in between season three or season three and season four there was a five-year robot war where they were partners. Wow. Hell yeah. Okay. Robot war. Uh, well, I guess Evan not Rachel robot Wood's war. Evan Rachel Wood's still on the show? Uh, war. Sorry, sorry, say again? Evan Rachel Wood's still on the show? Yep, but as a human this time, yes. apparently. Oh. As they're saying. She, uh, she died in the end of season three. Her Dolores dies, I think. Well, again, who knows why or how Evan Rachel Wood is in the show. But even in her scenes, she actually works... At a pretty cool place. She works at this, like, entertainment company where she's writing stories for video games. But I'm, like, 
she's getting too esoteric and like she cares about character instead of plot and i just love like the meta aspects of her narrative but she's also being stalked and it's unclear how she kind of fits into the overall narrative um and then you have jeffrey wright who's also back on the show as bernard who in in the his first appearance which i think was just this last week dave right like four episodes in we Correct. finally get bernard back on the show and he is um mind traveling to the 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 host consciousness dimension to like hang out and get a few he can now predict the future and he is back in a in a timeline that seems like the future you know i don't want to i don't want to say like i know exactly what's going on it certainly has a yellow filter on it yes it does it has the <laughs> mad maxian uh things have gone road warrior way and uh with and i feel like the girl he's traveling with might be aaron paul's daughter i don't know but they're gonna go kick ass because he knows everything he's like bill murray in groundhog day he's like pick eat this sandwich right now or we're going to be in the wrong timeline <laughs> um so they're traveling and they're going to save the world that's what he keeps saying we got to save the world it's like okay i guess that's setting the stakes I Dave, do you do you think Westworld season four is dumber in the right way? That's kind of my feeling. Mm. But maybe I'm putting it. I I want to sell it true to the entertainment value that I'm getting out of this. It's simpler. It's a little dumber. It's more action oriented, but it still has kind of like the jumbo mumbo jumbo that I enjoyed from season one. But I I don't want to use dumb as a pejorative. Maybe maybe you have a better way of describing. It. Um, I think. It's uh, very close to getting where I think Westworld needs to end its series as. Which is this as, the last season? Uh, I don't know. I think there might be one more, but I don't know for I sure. I think they at ordered point. three more seasons. Jeez. So I think there's, there's going to be several more. supposed to go to season six. I don't know if that will actually happen, but I have a feeling after season three, HBO was like, we're doing three more, and everyone was just baffled. I don't know if that's like a deal that they made with Jonathan Nolan and uh, Lisa Joy way back when. But those those two, I'm not sure they are really involved as much. Lisa Joy has a bunch of writing credits. I think she directed the first episode of the season. Um, but N N Jonathan Nolan, he's he's off the show. I think he's actually making a Fallout video game adaptation at Amazon. So he's like, oh, his, sure. his nonsense has departed, which might be good because he might be the culprit of being of the of the convoluted nature of the show on some level. But other people are are running with the Westworld baton. And I think it's working. I think it's pretty entertaining. We haven't really talked about the Man in Black stuff either, Dave, but like, I find the tone of the show to be pretty ominous and, and scary. It's like body snatcher shit right now. Kind of well, here's the, the number one thing. Uh, they're not fucking around with who are the villains and who aren't. So like a couple of other seasons, you've had somebody pretending to be somebody else or blah, blah, blah. Or it's like if you try to ask somebody that doesn't remember Westworld season three who Tessa Thompson really is. Like, you're going to go down a rabbit hole of, like, I don't remember, uh, which is not great. This one, not black oh, and white, but definitely we know who we're rooting for and we know who we're rooting against. Tessa Thompson is now Dolores on the show, right? Or, what like, the, the Wyatt version of Dolores. The yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> the real surprise here is that Tessa Thompson is still on the show <laughs> four seasons later. I forgot she was on the I show until very recently, honestly. Yeah, so uh, uh, yeah. you got really defined um, stuff like that. and. They're leaning into a lot of the stuff that made the first season very charming. So we're back at a park. We're back at a park with the same storylines from season one, but it's at an updated time period. So that's fun. 
We have uh, Dolores living out her loops again, much like she was at the beginning of season one and unaware that she's in a loop, which is, you know, very fun. Uh, and then we have Maeve, who knows what she's doing. I don't know what she's doing, but she seems to know what she's doing and have the confidence uh, to bring us from place to place. So I think the problematic part of Westworld is when they want us to be slightly ahead of them. And so we figure out something we're like, oh, man, isn't it cool that, you know, this robot's been predetermining human lives like, you know, humans tried to predetermine robot lives. And the answer was no, because it's just it's manifesting as Aaron Paul crying by the ocean. So all I remember is Aaron <laughs> Paul crying by the ocean. I don't remember the cool sci-fi concept. I think this season is doing much better at circling the drain of a very interesting concept about who has control uh, hosts or humans uh, and how that might switch back and forth or might one someone might completely win. Uh, I'm going to I I'm going to be interested to see. Uh, when we see the order of these timelines, if they're different timelines uh, towards the end of the season. And I will say there's only one thing about the season I don't like, which is at the end of episode one, they tease that James Marsden is back. Yeah. With a pan around to now his face. Now my attention. And he's smiling. Well, do, well, hold on. And then he has not shown he up for not, three weeks. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> and literally every time I start an episode with Java, she's like, give us the Marsden. And every episode for the past three weeks, she's been very pissed when the credits start. Why don't they know what the people want? I don't know. I mean, they, they do want. a little bit, but they're just they're just being withholding little little bitches. That's, that's that, that sounds like Westworld. West West, yeah, yes. Classic Westworld. Unfortunately, that's Westworld. Um, my loops, my lovely lady loops. Um, oh, no. I don't know. Oh, that started no. getting in my head when Dave was talking about loops. Let's. Qu I I quickly want to check in on a show, Dave. And Katie, we'll yeah. get to your big monologue soon. I'm, I apologize. We're, we are building. My forever. monologue was uh, about original music and lyrics <laughs> category at the Emmys. You missed it. <laughs> popped off. Dave, I want to talk about a show that's wrapping up next week, or is it? What this week, week is it? Is it by, by the, the time, time this is out, this episode this come show, out. Yeah. It, yeah, this show will be over, which is astonishing because I feel like it never started um, because it's so short. And it's Miss Marvel, the latest Marvel show. These things just keep coming don't they like oh, i've yeah, never been i have never really bought into like the marvel fatigue that uh older critics seem to note in every marvel review every time a marvel movie comes older out, critics like, and also david just get over yeah <laughs> true um well yeah older critics um <laughs> and but now i'm i'm with the tv shows i'm starting to get it it's like all overlapping it's all fumbling forward and it's all too short there's no room to breathe. Now, I, I mm. want to talk about Ms. Marvel because people love this show based on the reactions that I've seen. They feel like it's something really different and really fun and vivid, and I do not get it at all. I think they found a wonderful actress in uh, Aman Vellani who plays Ms. Marvel, the character from comics, Rules. Um, mm -hmm. I was very excited to see this show. And I think that the, the pilot to Ms. Marvel is fun. It's like pulling out all the stylistic stops. It takes place in Jersey, which obviously I'm very happy about about that. Um, <laughs> well, we're back, we're that back to Jersey? Jersey for the finale too. <laughs> That's, so. Oh, okay. I'm excited about that then. Um, no, yeah, and and they are taking a lot of cues. It feels like Spider Verse was a huge influence on, and maybe like the Phil Lord Chris Miller style was a huge influence on what they wanted to do with Miss Marvel. Really make it energetic and colorful and like. 
we're texting and there's it's the text is popping out or like the graphics on the walls are are popping off as she's riding her bike around things. There's a real youth energy to that first episode. But I got to tell you and I think this is becoming more and more true of all the Marvel shows. It they're kind of suffering from the Ryan Murphy syndrome. It's like I have a great Ooh. idea for a movie and it's going to be basically the pilot and I can't follow through. Like it I just don't no one seems interested in in sticking the landing with any of these shows. And I wonder if it's runtime. It's like, why does Miss Marvel only get six episodes? It's obscene. You can't tell a story where you learn about characters and you learn about their world and then they become empowered. This is an origin story. Like, there's just no time to understand anything going on in the show. But people love it. So tell me why it's actually fantastic. Because for me, it's just like another, it's another Marvel show that feels exactly the same as kind of the convoluted Moon Knight and or the Winter Soldier and, and Falcon show, which is just like rambling on and, and jumping all over the map. It has that globe-trotting Marvel element, but like there's no time to enjoy anything or for it to really mean anything. Um, oh, yeah, this is not the direction I thought it would take. I, I think I have an answer to this. Uh, well, first of all, uh, the, this Miss Marvel finale is out. Uh, Marvel, the MCU officially crossed the 100 hours of content barrier with Miss Marvel finale. Pop the champagne. Uh, yeah, a hundred hours of content. We Thank all God. dream of that moment. Yeah, and uh, we did that years Disney- ago. Fightingintheworm.com. That's true. Hell yeah, get on it. Get yeah. on it, Marvel. Thanks to the Disney Plus show uh, shows, uh, this new Phase Four iteration we've been in after Endgame is already longer than Phase Three, just in terms of like runtime. And Phase Three was long and took years. So the answer, I think, patches is it. It is. What you're feeling is are the rails on a Marvel TV show. And the rails on a Marvel TV show are very different than any other product that's being put out. This is something I've been thinking about about a lot recently, which is uh, the streaming numbers at Disney Plus don't matter because we can't, we don't know what they are. So we're going to be like, yes, thank you for your press release anytime we get any actual data. So therefore, the Disney Plus shows don't matter. The fact that WandaVision was watchable is a bonus of them trying something new and kind of liking it. I think everything else is just them because they didn't want to make TV shows. This Marvel Studios has... Kevin Feige loves big blockbuster movies. He loves going to the movie theater. Uh, Because of the pandemic and because of Disney+, Plus. they're like, no, you need to make TV shows and you need to, you know, weave them into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And he was resistant to that. Because it's a rapid universe expansion that it's hard to guarantee success for. Marvel Cinemas, Marvel Studios and the cinema is clearing the bar every time it puts a movie out. It's one of the biggest movies of the year. They release three movies. They're going to have three movies in the top five grossers of the year. That's become somewhat accepted because they weathered a pandemic and even like Black Widow made enough money for them. So the Marvel Studios and the movie side has found its quality bar. They found its groove. They're going to be able to do stuff like Thor, Love and Thunder and Multiverse of Madness, uh, which, you know, I don't think are the best movies, but are just playing around in the Marvel thing and they're going to make their Avatar level budgets back. It's insane. That's the way it is. Disney Plus shows, I think they're investing what they want to in, but mostly what I see is these are the places where they experiment uh, with stuff that worked in the comics, can it work in live action? Sure. So in the case of in the case of Miss Marvel, they basically grafted Spider-Man attitude, uh, but they don't own Spider-Man, so they grafted it onto Miss Marvel. 
and Miss Marvel the comic and Miss Marvel the Disney Plus series both existed to seed another character into the greater Marvel universe. And because of that, their creators were given a lot of free reign where it's like, she's got to have hard light powers. She's got to end up in costume at the end of her series because we need her for the Marvels. Same thing with uh, what's her face from WandaVision. Sure. She's got to turn into photon. She's got to use her powers once because we Ooh. need her for the Marvels. Who? Uh, from WandaVision. Was... I watched WandaVision. I watched WandaVision. Who turned into photon? Uh, the woman who the... was in the FBI, uh, who was yeah, oh, gained powers by crossing the, the barrier. She's the daughter of somebody. Yeah. In... Tayona Paris. Yeah. Monica Rambeau. Okay. Okay. Monica Rambeau. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Just checking. Okay. So these characters are your main characters for the Marvel. They're all going to be in shot. the Captain Marvel sequel. So what I think is really cool that they did with Miss Marvel is they uh, really anchored it to a culture. So I agree that it's taking its time with a story that it doesn't really have. Uh, but taking its time, been... it's blowing through it. I mean, it's it's like there is no time. I think the most successful. The pilot and the second episode, just to pull back the curtain here, every time yeah. you see reviews of a new Marvel show come out, like the week of the show, um, the critics have seen like one or two episodes tops. And this is, again, like the Marvel formula. I think they just put so much energy into these first two episodes out the gate. They got to get you to watch the whole thing. They got to get you hooked. That makes sense. It's the same, like, make your first line really great in a, in a story you're writing. Um I mean, and, that might and, be true, but I think the core of the series is going to be the stuff in Karachi. When we remember Miss Marvel, it's it going is? to be her. That's the I most so. like lifeless stuff. I love the family dynamic. I mean, in those first two episodes, you're getting a lot of the Pakistani heritage. Uh, eventually, you get a little bit of like the Indian backstory to her family. And whenever the family is front and center, Miss Marvel is really shining. There's a lot of uh, turning red DNA in this accidentally, too, about like the parents. What does she like being overbearing and can this girl just be her own person? And she, her whole story here is that she loves Captain Marvel. She has a Captain Marvel poster on her wall. Here's my big question about the show. Where did she get a Captain Marvel poster? Who produces Captain Marvel posters within the world of the Marvel universe? Like All those people with the Avengers kind of right? Yeah, but just like, can you get a celebrity poster? For, where do you get it from? Like who took Captain Marvel's like a... portrait and put on a poster in this world? Captain Marvel Whoever's barely existed. Playing... She's been in space the whole time. I mean, we have the potential answer uh, that's hinted at. Well, like, the Avengers are making money off the Avengers. Like, if S.H.I.E.L.D. can't make money off the Avengers, the Avengers are making money off. Like, why does Scott Lang have a popular podcast? Because he's making money off of being an Avenger. That's a good question. I just think Captain Marvel is just, like, out in the galaxy. She's not really around us. I mean, that's the other... That's the other weird thing. It's like, uh, there's when a franchise gets this big, uh, the really the only way that businesses are going to judge where it's allowed to go forward is with numbers. So that's what's really disconcerting to me is that the Disney Plus shows are slipping. Uh, I feel in terms of like public reaction, but that kind of doesn't matter because like I remember people hating Captain Marvel when it came out. And we got like sexism, we got like review bombing. And then when I was talking to people who actually like movies, they're like, yeah, it's kind of a weak story. You know, it's, you know, very dependent on some special effects, but made over a billion dollars worldwide. Yeah, so according to Marvel, they want to make more things like Captain Marvel. Right. So it, well, I don't, I don't think this show, I don't think this show is, I've seen reports too, that it's like, a, it's not one of the higher watch or one, it's one of the lowest watched Correct. 
Disney shows. And people are automatically like, of course, the show about an Indian woman is is not as watched as like white dudes on a mission or something. But to Katie's point, like, there's a tremendous amount of television happening right now. Everything yeah, just Jesus got Christ. dumped, and like, people are just catch- like, there's no time to watch Miss Marvel. We just got the Obi Wan show. Like, how could you possibly? We just finished Moon Knight. Like, people yeah, don't I mean, have time yeah, but- to watch all this stuff. So of course it's not watched as much as all this other shit. That's also one of the sad things about Marvel diversifying its heroes as you slowly watch uh, Thor and Doctor Strange and White Spider-Man rise to the top, despite all of that. So that might just be what people want, Patches. I don't want to like, make it all about race. Those are gigantic tentpole releases. Disney Plus shows are not gigantic tentpole releases. They're just things that WandaVision churned and Loki WandaVision have been the most was successful. the first Marvel show have been, those have been the most successful. Of course. Those are the white ones. There's nothing, those are the white and, ones. No, but it also came out in February. Everything was dead. You can't and they were compare. back when the idea of a Marvel show was unique. I don't I think, think the low, I mean, I, low viewership here has I, anything to do with it being Kamala Khan. I don't want to assume that Americans aren't being racist because generally oh, that they are. But I do think the novelty factor of WandaVision, like that's how yes. WandaVision got Emmy nominations. Like I think that was a huge factor in why it was tied a success. Into post endgame stuff like it had a lot of connections this is an origin story well, and multiverse of madness i don't know if you've seen multiverse of madness yet that but came after WandaVision is wandavision is still required there, there was a period of time where it worked and because i don't know if it was because of covid as pushing movie productions back or because of reshuffling or because of trouble getting visual effects works done in a timely manner but uh the whole uh shows running into movies running into shows thing is just making people mad that they have to watch Disney Plus shows. It's not having the effect that they thought it was going to have. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I would I would love for this to be TV overrun. I would love for the inevitable bad reviews for She-Hulk to also be TV overrun. I'm excited for She-Hulk. Fucking... Even as I, yeah, me I too. drag Ms. Marvel, I love that comic run, and I'm excited to watch it. But I mean, but people I are already sh- picking the wrong fucking things out of I know, the but trailers, even. These shows would be... These shows cannot defend themselves against this. these attacks most of the time because they're simply not good i would watch a 22 episode chilled out version of miss marvel like give me agents of shield but one of these marvel characters like chill the fuck out and go do miss marvel on freeform or something and like have fun like be well, low I mean, stakes. they were going to well, do. That's what WandaVision was. I mean, it wasn't low stakes, but it was different format. It didn't feel like yes, watching another yes. Marvel movie. It totally shook it up, and it was getting and it was getting very concentrated on her character. None of these shows are character stories, even as they put the emphasis on like Moon Knight. Hey, it's all in his head. We're getting we're all in this guy's brain. It's not character driven. It's still plot, plot, plot. And this Miss Marvel show has just been plot, plot, plot. We got a ring, or we got the jewelry and it gives you a power and you're a yeah, gin I mean, and you gotta go she time travels like, herself into inevitability which i feel <laughs> is kind just, of character based so, but no it's just so much stuff and i'm like i'm a geek i i like this nerd ass shit as we say on this podcast but i need some breathing i'm, I'm disappointed i mean the I'm really the I'm nice really thing the nice thing about marvel now is it doesn't need you to watch it when it comes out I, I mean, just <laughs> except for the fact that i was saying that like you need to vote with your streaming and whatever because we don't see the numbers but it's like, it's going to be there. It is what it is. I am very impressed that something like Miss Marvel got through because earlier last year we were stuck with like what Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So like, I know what th- this could get really bad. I don't think we're at really bad yet. I no. think we're at a weird issue of a comic that I'm like, oh, uh, that wasn't for me. But, you know, it's over there for when I need to reference it. 
I I still like Miss Marvel in theory, even as I watch it, and I do not. Uh, you know, it's not that I don't enjoy myself either. It's just that I'm like, this is wasted potential, and that that frustrates me because uh, I love that mm. character, and I think this actress is a real find. Um, and I'm excited to see her in the Marvels. But man, you could do so much more by telling longer stories with. Let's talk about the bear. Let's just talk about the show that I'm actually describing <laughs> and let Katie monologue about why the bear. Well, I don't know how you feel about the bear, Katie. The show that you're actually describing in what way? Like uh, about like taking its time and like a TV show about people. A TV show that I mean, we're talking about the bear. It's this new FX on Hulu. It is an FX show, but it is premiered yeah. in full oh, on God. Hulu. I don't. We're not gonna Netflix. Watch it on Hulu. It's on Hulu. I'm sure that's where Watch everyone's watching. Yeah, it. FX Hulu, FX on Hulu, three different things. But this this is yep. a show. No one can be expected to know the difference about yeah. a cook, and he goes and takes over his dead brother's restaurant in Chicago. And for me, it's like watching Taxi or watching Mary Tyler Moore, except it's a little <laughs> more serious. But it is a workplace comedy about people doing the job. And it, I yeah. think it fucking rules. What do you think of The Bear? I, I've had a great time. I watched four episodes of The Bear. You've seen six. Um, it, yeah, it's... Ooh, touch my microphone. Um, it is high stakes in that there's a lot of emotion to it and you're kind of getting set up with like someone has died and they need to like keep the restaurant afloat. But it's also about like people learning to work together, um, which is the like parks and recreation model right. and the office model and everything like that. Um, but there's a lot of swearing uh, at the beginning of every episode. There's like a content warning for language only, which is always kind of satisfying, like no violence, just language. Um but I think the characters are really well drawn in a really short period of time. It does a great job, even though the first few episodes being like, hey, you're sick of this guy, but guess what? He's going to do something that's going to make you like him and not in like a sentimental way. I don't, it's not an especially sentimental show, I mean, but it's also not like a like macho tough guy. Like, I don't have feelings kind of show. I feel like it strikes a really good tone of like, here's a show about a guy who's really good at what he does, which is the format of like. <laughs> probably 80 percent of television yeah. over history um but it it's careful to make it about a lot more than that and i think broaden the canvas really quickly so that especially with the uh the character sydney played by io Adabiri, who is a comedian who like i think i didn't realize that she was like famous to the point that she would be the second lead on the show um but she is amazing on it well I as, don't especially think, as I a think comedian she's more famous than everyone else on the show it's not about being well no because so um jeremy piece. allen white was on shameless for a decade like he's he's famous he's in that he's been on a very successful part. show for like yeah he's a main character he is the bear um named carmy um and then uh ibon moss backrack is like i guess he is actually his cousin or is he not his cousin they just call each other cousin all the time i thought they were cousins like he's an actual cousin and then he makes fun of okay his there's uh carmy's sister husband saying cousin and then like they're not cousins there's a lot of chicago family dynamics i thought about um oh fuck I'm totally forgetting the Philadelphia Bradley Cooper, Jennifer. Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. There's a lot of Silver Linings Playbook energy in this show, yeah. to, and which I find to be a very sitcom-y movie. Um, and here it has a better place because this is an actual sitcom. There is a great <laughs> uh, um, scene in the fourth episode where uh, Oliver Platt, is he the cousin's dad? Because he's the uncle. Like He's he's Carmi's uncle, but I can't figure out if he There's is Richie's so dad. so many Italian family members. It's really, Yeah, it is hard to... I need a whiteboard. I need a... 
yeah but anyway there's like a you know a scene where it's like don't make a whole thing of it and hard cuts to the two of them screaming at each other at the threshold of a children's birthday party (laughs) um like that kind of where all the kids have been uh dosed with uh, xanax and they're all yeah (laughs) slightly distressing um no i mean it's like it's not reinventing the wheel in any way but i think it's good proof that like you don't have to if you've got compelling characters and good enough writing and just like a really like i said a firm grip on its tone and like what it wants to be um and i don't know that it's like a great work of genius but it's i I find it satisfying to watch and really easy to recommend like i think almost anyone i know who likes television in general but like the show uh what do you think i i i also have never watched shameless um which i would imagine is similar in it's like it's kind of a just a sitcom. It ran for like eleven seasons or twelve seasons. Yeah, it was on something forever. ridiculous. Um, I mean, people who love like, that show love that show. You know, family stuff happens uh, endlessly, and and that that could be a positive, you know, just like things happen. And this show has a little of that energy. But what what do you make of Jeremy Allen White? I'm not terribly familiar with him, but he seems to have committed I think to he's... the part. He can slice and dice onions. Uh, yeah i think he's really great on it and i think again like a lot of the discussion around the show like because like all of a sudden this guy's got like eight profiles of him online this week where it's like he is the dirtbag hunk of the summer which is like true um and he's like yeah i mean like i did culinary training and i wanted to like have my nails be dirty all the time but it doesn't feel like one of those like look at how hard i'm working to perform performances he just kind of feels like a guy and the, the character is like you know, troubled genius chef, but he's trying to like do right by all the people around him. It's not like an ego driven character. And I think that's part of the huge appeal of him, but he's not like trying to prove how great he can be. Like in the first episode, he says to his sister, like, I'm trying to fix this place. Like I'm going to really turn it around. His sister's like, no one's asking you to do this. Um, And that, that level of self-awareness, I think at the performance and the show itself, uh, really adds a lot. Yeah. I, well, before do you, we do you think this, he's hunky patches? He's like definitely hunky. Oh, well, I was going to say, yeah, his cooking stuff is effortless, but where he's in, he smokes a lot of cigarettes in the back alley of the beef shop, and uh, that's when he's in true hunk mode. Um, I, yeah. I, before we watched the show, I told my wife, because I didn't know much about it other than, and this my description was, I think it's just like Kitchen Confidential, but it's in <laughs> Chicago, beef, something. Let's watch it. Definitely a real Anthony Bourdain. Although, like, like, if you read the book, I never watched the show Kitchen Confidential, but if you read the book Kitchen Confidential, it's like right. Bourdain looking back and being like, what an asshole I was. And it's like, this guy has been through that already. He's kind of like the like wiser, like, I'm done with my shit stirring yeah, version of that, but this, still smoking cigarettes and looking hot. And, and we're, I was discussing well, with my wife, I'm just like, she, does, she doesn't care for those types of bad boy cook story yeah because yeah, it can yeah. feel <laughs> awful and it's like why are we yeah. lionizing these people they're actually it's like who cares you're just making food you're a dick. idiot you're a dick yeah, yeah. and and maybe mm-hmm, chill out mm-hmm. and just like cook it for people and let them eat it I, you know and yeah, yeah and yeah. there's a lot of that in the show but it also seems like the show's goal is to deprogram him on some level yes. even in these first eight episodes which are all on hulu um i guess they dropped them all at once but yeah it, it's a lot of I don't like think they did oh, i think really? it didn't it air week? Well, I don't fucking week care. By it's week? all out there now. Uh, <laughs> oh no, no, it all it all aired at once. Oh, wow. my, it, yes, all, it, I was right. it debuted on June twenty third. Uh, okay, good. But yeah, didn't miss it by that much. Iowa no. Beery's character Sydney is like she she looks up to him because he's had the the character himself has been profiled in Food and Wine. He's like the young chef prodigy. Yeah, he got like a James Beard award. But he, he's she's also being like maybe you could chill out or like maybe you don't have to 
be the asshole. I mean, he wants everyone to call well, she's chef like, we and can... chef. Hey, chef. Hey, chef. And, but... Well, the chef thing, I think, is, you know, I think they established as a sign of respect, but there's like, they yeah. try, he tries to like establish the hierarchy of a traditional kitchen. And she right. says to him really plainly, like, we don't have to do this. Like, we can break the cycle of bullshit that we were both trained in. Like, I think it, it's really, reject it's really consciously. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's conscious about trying to like build a new version of what that could be. Dave, you've watched and... it. No. Oh, fuck. Never mind. Who cares about you? Dave, you've seen a your mother turn into a bear, right? This is too traumatic oh, for you. Wow. Oh, yeah. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. There is a I'm bear in the we, first episode. I'm glad we already talked about the bear, but I'm curious because neither of you have seen the seventh episode yet, which I've heard is a breakout or a one take episode. And I the love the whole me, I love episode me. is one take. Oh, that's what I heard. Mm -hmm. or it wouldn't surprise there's a... me. There's a lot of uh, the first episode is full uncut gems sweaty mania which will yeah. could easily lose 50% of the the deciding audience because it is so manic and so headachey um and I, yeah I wanted to get your impressions of the of the filmmaking Katie cuz it's it, again it's like an FX show so it's a little heightened in terms of like we're going to make we're going to have compositions like Hiro Mirai is one of the producers of the show so you know it's going to oh, have is? some serious frames and some lighting and, uh -huh. um and it, and i think it kind of like goes overboard on on some level in the in the first episode and uh you know yeah uh, i wanted to get your your take because i was thinking about Uncle yeah. Gems and i was like it might be trying a little too hard but i think i think the show dials down yeah i think it does too i think it definitely is trying to do a lot of like here is the energy of a kitchen uh, and there's a lot of like mood establishing shots of chicago where you're like did you just run out of things to put into this episode like you just needed a minute in there like i feel like you can feel some growing pains of hmm. how a show like this gets put together in its first season which i think is fine um but it definitely settles down after a while i think like it, the like the longer the scenes get i think the better the show is and like you get to know these characters and it, it feels good sitting with them for a long time like in that same episode i was talking about with the uh, children's birthday party there's just like this long scene actually no that's the first episode uh, the third episode where like where Sydney tells him like we don't have to run this like the assholes like that's a long scene of just the two of them and it is really still and calm so I think you like I don't know if it's intentional of them to make it so jittery and then settle down but I think it's worth powering through to get to where the the show kind of finds itself do you have uh any other like favorite character there's a lot of other characters who populate the kitchen and I feel like if I'm going to compare it to a taxi or a Mary Tyler Moore I, I need to do due diligence here and, and mention some of the side players is there anyone who stands out to you well i was gonna mention uh amy morton who shows up in the second episode as the restaurant inspector um she's oh. like a you know steppenwolf like theater actress and she's just like oh yeah you guys are totally fucked and she's just great in a single scene and then gets out of there um i already mentioned oliver platt um and then a uh, lionel boyce who plays marcus who is a aspiring pastry chef uh i think i mean he's one of the more likable characters to he's such a sweet man episodes. he's just standing he's in the saying, corner he just making wants donuts, to make donuts like, i know he just like wants to make beautiful pastries and it makes him happy to make I, beautiful pastries. i will say the show is successful in being like people like watching food porn and i haven't seen a cooking oh, yeah, show a that's like porn. part salt acid fat heat or whatever and then and then part comedy drama it, it is successful in doing gorgeous close-ups of meat uh in a pan like this is this is a it is show. kind of surprising that no that like the netflix algorithm never combined these things <laughs> right um i i maybe to, you'd uh, like hannibal 
Oh yeah, that's true. They did have a very uh, successful food stylist on that show. Yeah, there's this woman, um, Lisa Kolonzias, who plays Tina uh, on the show. Oh yeah, she does Tina's a lot of, great like, character stuff. And the funniest thing, and this bit like took me three episodes to understand. So when Carmi comes into the kitchen, he's like, "Everyone will say sh- call each other chef as a sign of respect, yeah. chef, chef." And she keeps calling. She keeps calling him Jeff. Um, which I just find, I'm like, is she saying Jeff? No, she definitely is yeah. saying Jeff. And it's, she's doing it just to be a dick. That is really funny. I just, I, really I love, I, there's just so much character quirk, but like not for the sake of being over the top or making cheap jokes. It's just like people really being people. And I find that, I don't know. It's so fun to have a show that's just suffocating in this one space where they're all trying to get through the days. I, I will say, if I went into a restaurant and everyone was just screaming at each other that the way they do at this beef sandwich restaurant, I would I would probably walk out. Um, I think in chaos. a lot of places they are, and you just can't hear it. Uh, I'm sure we have all been to restaurants where they are screaming at each other like that. But uh, but yeah, uh, didn't it make you want to go get a, a beef sandwich? It really did. I've actually never been to Chicago. Um, so maybe this will be my first I have stop. basically never been. So oh, wow. yeah. Dave, I, uh, been to Chicago? Yeah, I've been to Chicago. I went to Lollapalooza there and did, did the an, city and it was great. Did you get an Italian beef sandwich? an Italian beef sandwich, sandwich? yeah. Uh, uh, actually, I think I might have. Did you get yeah. it dipped? Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's... Is there a New York equivalent? Like, New York has tons of Italian food, but this, like, too close to Philadelphia. I was about to say, notion to me what's the difference between? I, I don't. I guess an Italian beef does not have cheese on it, so that is the cheesesteak. It's not a cheesesteak. What's the difference? Correct. No, it's not a, definitely not a cheesesteak. Cheesesteak cheese... has like cheese whiz on it. Yeah, well, like a and like peppers. Just, you're and from Philly. Stuff. What the fuck? What you're supposed to know? Well, this. I know, but I'm not actually familiar enough with the beef that you buy for an Italian beef to know what the difference is. Like, I think the Italian beef is is roast beef or or something like, and and cheesesteak beef is. Kind of like beef steak. I think that's the difference. I don't know. People can yeah, write I in. Think in. We have an email. In New York, you'd find a Philly <laughs> cheesesteak. You could probably find an Italian beef sandwich, and then you could find a French dip sandwich, and all of those are together. But New York wasn't like, we've got it, this one, blah, with sauerkraut. Actually, it probably did. I probably just made up a sandwich. That, that definitely be rich. Yeah. The New, the New York beef sandwich. Just d- uh, devised in Denver, Colorado. I would uh, I would happily eat that beef sandwich in any any <laughs> second. Wow. Provocative. Um I don't uh, Don't you want an original beef of Chicagoland shirt too? I do. I do. I I, I know I'm sure someone But I want to wear it with it. the leather jacket that uh, the the cousin always wears. He looks absolutely yeah. tough. Um, cousin. The bear. Yeah, it's pretty good. I find it so refreshing. It is so panic attacky at times, but it's an actual sitcom. It's actual just people doing work. I'm constantly on the prowl for like, just give me a boring show where people are hanging out. I've, I've mentioned I the podcast love I'm watching Six Feet a... Under, where it's just like them oh, doing yeah. their jobs. Just show me people doing jobs. Six Feet Under gets stressful too. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, there's been baby death and child death and oh, so much horrible. When just shit. like family drama, oh, yeah. like terrible things. Families screaming at but each it's other. It's nice because they have jobs and they just do them. And that's why the bear is on. You sound like you maybe need to go off paternity leave. I need a job. I'm not working just at all. just want people to have jobs. What's it like to have a job? Don't I make like, me go have a job, Get me out of my house. This is your, your problem. I like TV shows about people doing their job well. Have you, have you watched Old Enough yet, Patches? Oh, I want to watch Old Enough. No. They're like 
You know what this it's is? It's on Netflix. It's oh, a oh, oh, is this international the kid who's crossing the street to go to the mart? Yep. Oh my god! Yeah, it's we the kids going. Them. It's the kids going sharp shopping. Whew. If you want to watch somebody just do a job, and it's a reality <laughs> TV show, which just can they do the job? That is that is the show for you. I, have you watched a bunch of it? Like, do they? Always, yeah, I think I've watched all that's available. Succeed? Like, I want to make. I, I can't imagine they're like imperiling the children. Right. It, it depends by what you mean by succeed, but they all mm. get home. Okay. Okay. Does someone? I mean, I guess I'm wondering if does someone have to go get them every time or. Some of the uh, most of them get, get home. home. Okay, good, good, good. No, I think it is, it's if you want to see someone attempt to do a job in a very simple way, I do, I do recommend old enough. I recommend old enough all together. Reality shows uh, with big hearts about kids uh, are so much better than reality shows about kids with no hearts. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, Kid Nation. Oh, wow, yeah, wow. Uh, let's wrap up. Are you gonna what, what are you gonna watch next, Katie? What's on your radar? What do you have to watch? Uh, Probably I've, for work. I've watched. But. Well, I mean, it's kind of in a slow period, honestly, because like and the Emmy nominations are out, and like most of next year's Emmy stuff isn't happening. I mean, there's always TV you're supposed to be watching, obviously. Um, I'm watching the new season of Only Murders in the Building. I watched one episode. I like that show a lot. Um, I don't know. I get probably out to watch the Game of Thrones spinoff. Oh boy, ah, yeah. there's I a lot of blockbuster-sized television coming in August. We were talking yeah, before the podcast. Sandman to contemplate. Netflix, yep. The House of Dragon, Lord of the Rings is Labor Day weekend. Woof. Yep. We'll talk about that on this podcast. We will. Yeah, nice. we get to start Tom Bombadil watch again. It's been a decade, but it's back. <laughs> Tom Bombadil watch. How long has he been alive? Just is he eternal? Is he an eternal? Yeah, Tom Bombadil's. Tom Bombadil's like around. I mean, depending. Nobody knows for sure who or what Tom Bombadil is, but I'm a big fan of the theory that he is the song that creates the universe embodied. So yes, he, he's the first and last. He's Tom Bombadil. And theory. Um, I do like it when Dave says Tom Bombadil. I didn't realize. Tom Bombadil. We didn't oh, know each other back when I was like, why isn't he in Fellowship of the Rings? This is fucking bullshit. But that was a hill that I died on. You didn't know Dave when he was whispering Tom Bombadil into the ears of, of girls and hoping that <laughs> Boots they would... of yellow. <laughs> Ooh, sex. Um, good Lord. Uh, Dave, you watch anything? Are you going to watch anything else new? Um, uh, there's a constantly shows that I need to catch up on, uh, and there's uh, a lot of them. Uh, right now, specifically, I'm very sad that Raised by Wolves uh, got <laughs> canceled because I wa- I haven't done. Did you season watch two season yet. two? I haven't watched season two yet. Oh, okay. I was that was on my list of things to watch, and it got canceled before I looped around to it. So now there's a season that I want to watch, it's but I also fault. know ends in nothing. Yep. So it's been um, tough to do that. But also, I'm only murders uh, every every week. It comes out. Got. I'm gonna watch that episode after we get done here. Love that. Love that it's been picked up for a season three already. Uh, let's do it. Oh, what a boon. Steve Martin. That's, that's a show we could get on, guys. Hey, Only Murders. I know you have, like, big stars. <laughs> like Martin oh, like, Shard we and Steve Martin. should be, be on it. We oh, could be yeah. on it. We, we could, could be, be podcasters. The we could have a podcast about whatever the new murder is. Unfortunately, when they had podcasters on, it was like Tina Fey playing a podcaster, right? I, yeah. We're going to have a tough time with that. I mean, they I need, I like, a about mon- how. A like Mariska Hargitay drove by the set and was like, "Hey, put me on." So I don't know why they would want us more than Mariska wow. Hargitay. Yeah, we are. We are all ex New Yorkers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that could, that could like speak her. to that. We all have a podcast. Oh God. You know, our podcast be uh, only murders in America. Yikes! That sounds threatening. 
honestly. Yeah, we we got Donald Glover theme song though. It'll be fine. This is America. That does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week. Uh, should we tease anything about next week's episode? I think we yeah, did I tried to do this too. last week. Yeah, we well, oh, okay, well, then now it's all useless. We Here we go. Let me see if now. this. Yeah, let me see if I can help uh, you guys out, the listeners. So, you're listening to this on uh, either Wednesday the 13th or Thursday the 14th, assuming that, you know, you're a listener of the week. Uh, next week, uh, around Wednesday on the 20th, we will be releasing another trivia episode. Woo! Uh, I don't know if you guys remember our quiz quiz bang bang uh, episode where we got to go up on each other's trivia wise. Uh, but we're going to do it again. That's going to be next week. You're going to be able to get that episode on Wednesday. But clear your schedules, guys. Next Tuesday, the 19th of July. <laughs> You're committing to this at by saying it out six, loud. Yeah. I mean, if you do well, it the week I mean, after that, I will not be there. So uh, we need Make Katie choice. for quarter quill. So here we go. <clears throat> Write down on your calendars. Make Dave do it. Here we go. The 19th of July at... 6 p.m. Pacific and 9 p.m. Eastern on a YouTube channel we will all tweet out. There will be a Fighting in the War Room call-in show again. Unlike last time, uh, you won't just call in and wait in the waiting room. We're going to try to live broadcast it on YouTube so you could see the episode live and then also get it next week in your feed gonna be great we should probably start we're at 9 15 yeah. let me just put that cushion in that <laughs> we're gonna get on at nine and probably spend 15 minutes trying to figure out how it works but i'm just gonna throw that out there are you well, suggesting time, we're not prompt last uh, get it get in the waiting room when you can last time there was a whole bunch of people we couldn't get to even though i think we yeah. went for like two hours yeah so like we're gonna do our best this time though you could watch us doing it live which we hope will hopefully will uh mitigate that wait so you're not in a silent waiting room uh, hoping that we call on you. It'll be a lot easier. I better buy a ring light or something. Ooh. Yeah, well, people are going to be able to see us. Dave I mean, right now, I look, I look the sharpest like in terms of angles I've looked in a long time. So I'm mm -hmm. all, it's all good here. you got a real film noir uh, vibe going on right now. Thank you. Thank you very people much. People will be able to uh, see it at the live show. If it's at the same time of day. Yeah, so if you're just doing podcasts and you don't have time to call in, that's cool. We're going to have 20th, it were Trivia 2, 27th, it were Quarter Quail Call-In Show podcast version. And then August happens, and like we said, it's a pop culture clusterfuck, so I don't know what's happening that month. I apologize, guys. But <laughs> that's, we're, not going, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> that's, that's multiple weeks and then of, the podcast uh, of schedule. Forever. No. <laughs> no. No, we don't give people uh, foreknowledge when the podcast ends. They just tune in and we tell them it's the last podcast. It's you never expect the drop. podcast canceling. Yeah, it's a real Spanish Inquisition. Mm -hmm. uh, jinx. Anyway, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Woo! We did it. Yes. We didn't do it. We just said it all out loud. We just said what we're well, going we didn't to do. We, we, have to do that. we have to do the end part of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, that'll, that's all happening. In the meantime, tell the people who you are. I am Matt Patches, deputy editor, usually at Polygon.com. I am on leave. Matt Patches needs a job. Mm -hmm. I need a job. I should probably go back, but uh, I do have a little time. But I am. Uh, I'm on Twitter 
at Mr. Patches. I'm on Letterboxd at Mr. Patches. I got some good Letterboxd follows. Definitely trying to use Letterboxd more these days. A, a, a happy place. Um, and remember, we talked about having more content than all of the Marvel Universe combined. Yes, it's true. Mm-hmm. Fightingintheworm.com. Go back and listen to our podcast. Yeah. What else do you need to learn about Steve Rogers? Nothing. Uh, you did not hear David Ehrlich on this podcast. But he's a senior film critic at IndieWire. You could follow him on Twitter at David Ehrlich. He would be the one to tell you to leave a review. We'll read it live on the show. We want those reviews in the Apple Podcasts app. That is where the algorithm makes them beneficial. But of course, we would love to hear any of your opinions at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com, especially if you posted those in a foreign Apple Podcast app. Uh, that would be great. Let's let everybody find us. Uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can follow me on Twitter at DA7E. You could also listen to me on the Trial by Content show with uh, Joanna Robinson and Neil Miller and at my Patreon, patreon.com slash DA7E and Neil, uh, where we talk about movies every week and try to make people talk about movies better, which is not, you know, for my two co-hosts. They're already great at it, uh, especially Katie, who knows a lot about awards, right? Yeah. Heard of it? Uh, you can find me at Vanity Fair com and on the little goldman podcast where we talked more about the emmys this week um you can find me on twitter at katie rich k-a-t-e-y-r-i-c-h and we're all on twitter at f-i-t-w-r where we, we'd love your ideas of what you want us to talk about in a live show or you can answer this week's lightning round question which was in honor of marcel the show with shoes on what's cinema's cutest non-human character Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week and in the weeks ahead. I'm so pretty. I'm on Gucci. I'm so pretty. I'm on Giddy. Watch me move. This is Sully. That's a tool. On my Kodak. Black. Ooh, know that. Follow and listen. You, you motherfuckers owe me.